0: Hey, what's up, world? Live from Quarantine Studios, I'm your host, Twin GQ of A Culture Conversation. We're here for our second episode of our second season. I'm happy to bring you our guest today. Our future guest will be none other than Toronto creative artist and director Adrian Wallace. So Adrian Wallace will be here joining our platform and giving you guys a unique um conversation on a lot of interesting topics so stay tuned today he's just tuned in and i'm looking forward to tapping in on this conversation
1: what's good man
0: hey what's up adrian how you doing man
1: what's happening man i'm good i'm good i'm blessed man how you doing brother
0: Good, man. First and foremost, thank you for joining us here on our platform at A Culture Conversation. Um, Here we just talk about unique topics um, from the realm of sport and business, um, some social justice talk, and a little bit about uh, business behind the sport as well. So um, looking forward to our unique conversation. First, I'm going to give you a chance to introduce yourself to our audience. Those of of them that don't know who you are and what you do, just kind of tap into that before we get into our conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, um, God is good. Um, thanks for having me, um, bro. It's a pleasure being here. My name is Adrian Wallace. I'm a, I'm a director, writer, actor from Toronto. Jamaican, Canadian, a writer, director, actor from Toronto. Um, you know, I've been kind of getting my feet wet in the game for, for a bit now. So um, I'm just looking at um, taking every opportunity that I can to, to create stories that matter. See on screen, people that look like me. And um, you know, just ultimately um, reflect um, inclusion more, you know, and, and reflect people like me who don't otherwise get this opportunity. So, um, but yeah, right now I'm kind of focused on um, primarily narrative storytelling, not limited to it, but right now that's kind of what my baby is, you know, telling, telling powerful stories in the narrative world. So, um, but yeah, um, that's a little bit of an intro about me, bro. Absolutely,
0: man. And you know, I did a little bit about. Uh, some research as well, and I've seen that you, you know, you've developed a lot of uh, inner narrative stories on, uh, you know, Black youth and individuals, so just, just tell me a little bit about how your upbringing really influenced you to
1: create films such as that. Oh, man, it's, um, it's, my upbringing has been, you know, super inspirational. I mean, I'm essentially the product of my own environment, you know, things that I've seen, things that I've seen my friends go through, my family, Um you know, I feel like if there was a lesson to be learned, definitely a lesson that I learned that I thought was valuable, I figured, hey, why not start creating stories that are shot right outside my backyard? And that's kind of what I did with my, um, well, my first uh, project, which is uh, called Courtside, which is about two brothers who um, pretty much try to navigate through the hood um, and deal with obstacles, but also try to keep each other afloat. Um, you know, you gotta, when you think about being a black boy in a community in a rough community at that, at best, um, you know, you're dealing with a lot of obstacles, a lot of struggles, you know, poverty, family. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of hurdles that, um, you know, we as black youth have to go through. So, um, it was a story that's very timely, you know, it's about dream pursuit. Um, it's about, you know, keeping your family close and watching over them, being able to keep um so you know it's a very timely story and it's a story that could be told through every generation every every community has has a story like this to tell um so yeah um to be honest my upbringing has been super inspirational man in this this whole filmmaking process especially um when it comes to these type of stories absolutely and uh
0: you know i can kind of relate being um you know a resident of you know an inner city um in the scarborough community you know growing up in similar environments where you got to really have a tight-knit circle, and you really have to stick to what you know in terms of, you know, using things as a tool to get you out of, you know, taking that left turn. So it's like using sport, for an example, and basketball is something that I turned to at a really young age that helped me really pursue into something that I wanted to use to further my life and, and just get me to dream uh, beyond my environment. You know, when you're growing up in these um, inner cities, it's hard to, to, to see beyond your environment because... Those are things that you see every day, right? And you see within your environment, you have a lot of people doing and choosing the wrong path. And, you know, it's like a, a cycle. You know, you just want to kind of get out of that, right? So yeah. very, it's very important to really, like you said, find something that you're passionate about from an early age and just kind of build from
1: there. Absolutely, man. I echo that a hundred times over.
0: Yeah. So um, we're going to talk to a little bit about life and COVID. I know you're... Uh, developing your portfolio in business and film. So just tell me how you've been able to sustain a high level of business during COVID, um, especially with writing film and, 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 and projects and stuff like that. Tell me some things that you kind of did over the COVID break in terms of your projects. How did things shift your focus?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. It's been a bittersweet experience, you know. Um, it definitely wasn't awesome selling. I mean, to be honest, it still isn't soon oh, selling but um you know I guess what makes me me is my ability to adjust you know and um, and, and and that's just every creative entrepreneur I feel like everybody was kind of um, tested in, in a way to see like you know like how, how passionate about um, about what they do are they really you know um for me you know I had a nine to five it wasn't really industry related sort of speaks but it was, it was the bread and butter you know it will put money on the table so I kept the lights on kept the bills paid right now you know, most creatives, if you're like me, have to have that safety net. Now, I, because I was laid off my, my safety net, I really had to dig deep into into to, to me and ultimately, like, what my skills were, you know? So um, I had to become super, super resourceful on other skills that I've acquired over a period of time, right? Um, you know, whether it's film editing, whether it's directing, whether it's writing, um, you know, doing a, a lot of, like, freelance stuff. So I really had to go back to my freelance bag just to stay afloat. Still doing that today. Right, um, and this is all while trying to pursue projects. So, um, but I think the 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 beauty of this whole thing was the the downtime that I got because yeah, I did have the option to go back to work. Ultimately, I decided not to, and that's because I just got so comfortable in 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 in, in me and like and learning about myself as an artist and just learning other things to expand myself as an artist. Um, so that's definitely been the the biggest beneficiary um, to 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 this whole COVID thing, just having the downtime to really just Reevaluate things and figure out what I really wanted to do Um, because ultimately I rewarded myself with that time and my projects with that time to get a lot of stuff done that I couldn't get done due to like, you know, a nine to five that you're just working to pay the bills. So um, it's been, it's been a very bittersweet, man, but you know what? Um, You know, when there's something special about you, and I mean that in the sense of if if someone sees that you're hungry and if someone sees that you're skilled at something, if someone sees that, um, you know, you could, you could bring them value in terms of service. You're always going to have work. So um, I'm just really trying to, to navigate through that. I guess this new transition of being like a 24-hour creative entrepreneur, and there's a lot to learn, but I'm still figuring out as we go, bro.
0: Yeah, and, you know, yeah, I bro. think you're doing an amazing job. I think all creative entrepreneurs need to really tune in and hone in on their skills. And, you know, being in a position now in COVID, you just got to adapt. You know, we're living in unprecedented times and unique Absolutely. challenges. And, I think the only way we get better is through adapting to the current time you know and you talked a little bit about having a nine to five and you know not really having the the allocated time to your projects and to your bread and butter so you know can you kind of talk about that transition now from going corporate world now into your own business or industry and now having to focus on that that energy there instead of being in a corporate setting what is the difference
1: yeah, I mean, well, the difference, um, once again, is time, man. Like, I think time is something that um, I realized was pretty undervalued as um, as just kind of being another anomaly uh, and, anomaly um, you know, in a corporate infrastructure, you know. Because um, ultimately, you've got to answer to somebody. You have to, you know, abide by their rules and show up when they want you to. You know, the, the advantage of you being your own boss is you could wake up and start your work at your own time. Like, for me, I'm, I'm nocturnal. I have a lot of my creative juices flowing at night. Um, but that's just learning, too, and observe, uh, absorbing information. So um, I get a great deal of, of my artistic work done at night and some of my learning things as well. Um, but yeah, easily the biggest beneficiary of this whole transition from leaving the corporate infrastructure and just becoming one on your own is, is time. I got I literally got time to, to just really dive into things that I want to learn, things that I've always wanted to do. I can literally set up time to um, to get it done and learn about it right and and just give my time the effort and energy that it needs you know because when you're when you're sucked up or when your energy gets sucked up by you know the corporate infrastructure which I completely understand for everyone in it you know you gotta you gotta make a living but by the end of the day you come home after a nine to five and like you're exhausted you're tired you know so it was really hard to, to kind of um, channel energy for both streams but now like I said, the biggest the biggest advantage is definitely having time and energy to really um, um, put towards um, you know uh, your passion and your project.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important. I think um, sometimes you fail to realize the value in our work because we're so tied up in every other commitment. Like you got a job, you got to commit to that, and it takes a lot of your time. So. You know, you might not see the true value or potential into your work until you actually (laughs) physically do it every day, day in and day out. And I feel like that's what COVID gave a lot of creative entrepreneurs the opportunity to do is hone in on what they want to build, the potential of their companies and their entities. You know, I personally for me, I kind of took the time to invest that same energy that I was investing in other, you know, priorities and invested into my thing. And, you know, being 100% committed, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, and even on extra hours, putting into your craft and you kind of see the difference, you know what I mean? And it's, it's it gives you that like resounding yes effect where it's like, okay, I was thinking about these things, but now I'm acting on it. You know what I mean? Instead of being in motion, there's an action plan behind it. You Mm. know, so I think that's very important for uh, creative artists to kind of hone in and I'm 100% down with having a nine to five, something that, you know, prepares your bills, but while you're doing that, make sure you have a devised exit plan and mm-hmm. invest into your yourself, your passion. You know what I mean? Work, get your money, and invest into your passion. Invest into something. 100%. You get what I'm saying? I think that's 100%, yeah, very bro. important, you know, because it's hard. as a creative artist in a city like Toronto, you know, with the means yeah. to living. So you got to really figure out how to navigate and find out those values. You know, find out ways you can continue to create an opportunity for yourself to sustain your company long term. You know what I mean? So very important that you really touched on those subjects. Um, I was going to ask you, obviously, having worked in the corporate setting and environment, how important is representation in the corporate world? You know, obviously, during these times, we're seeing a lot of companies getting pushed to the forefront to be more representative and having more um, you know, diversity within their workforces. So, uh, just talk to me a little bit about that and your, your thoughts on that as well.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I mean, funny enough, I actually have had, you know, experience in the corporate infrastructure, um, you know, and they were, they were mainly, you know, contract-based. So, um, that was their safe way of saying, Hey, um, if we no longer want you after this period of time, you know, you, we don't have to have you. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely have my share of experience in the corporate world, but representation, you know, like seeing yourself on screen or seeing people like me on screen is just as important as seeing, um, you know, people that look like me in these corporate uh, buildings because, I mean, you know, they there's a lot of things that they take from us, you know? They take our ideas, um, and um, who better to, to be the one in the point guard position to lead those ideas than, than people of color themselves? So it's like, why not try to... Um, you know, be more inclusive when it comes to, to hiring. Why not, um, why not expand um, your, your, your type of, 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 of employees, you know what I'm saying? Like, why discriminate against color? You know, I just feel like we, we've been part of this systemic um, racism for, 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 for so long, and, and, and honestly, it doesn't make sense, you know? Like, um, at the end of the day, if you are giving someone of color an opportunity, they're going to do whatever they can to, to, to do the best at what, they, what, they're, what they're signed up to do, right? So it doesn't really make sense as to why they would try to shut us out. It really doesn't, but as you can see now, if you you know kind of been paying attention to like the, the news and the media and stuff, a lot of companies are getting outed because of how they treat, you know, people of color, black people, especially. Um, and it, it, it's sad and, and it shouldn't be that way, but um, definitely important, man.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that I've been seeing a little bit of a, a defining turn. you know, you're seeing things happen. Um, even though it's small change, I think uh, you know the millennials and you know people that are coming up from years to come. I think they're gonna benefit the biggest change with this whole um, revolution that we're facing right now. I think it's an important time, and you know it. It just does suck because I always say it, there's, it's like a double-edged sword. Now, when they push these laws and you know these representations to the forefront of these companies, now are they now giving us opportunity? Because of our color, or because we're qualified,
1: you know certain mandates. You know, it's like, is is it genuine nowadays, or like it's like, it's like now nowadays people don't want to be the ones that are left out or the ones that look bad, you know. Because when it comes to putting a magnifying glass over a lot of these companies, like I said, a lot of people are speaking up. A lot of a lot of internal investigations are going on, and a lot of these companies that everyone looks up to, you know, are, are being exposed for the systematic um you know um discriminatory discriminatory practices that they've been you know funding through years and years on years so it's like it's like why now you know i'm saying it took what it took brianna taylor to get shot like like why why did it take a whole uproar of people upset at people treating us wrong to make a difference like why wasn't this always a thing you know and 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 i'm just i'm 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 happy in a sense it's bittersweet but i'm happy in a sense like you said because it's you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and these, these changes are going to be um, slowly, but progressive, then um, I'm just happy that, you know, something is being going on. And like you said, I think you said it best, the next generations to come are definitely going to benefit out of the opportunities that are waiting for them because, um, especially in an industry like, you know, entertainment, um, a lot of gatekeepers, you know, calling the shots. And, you know, unless you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, yeah. you could be waiting and knocking and banging on the door for an opportunity to come that will take you probably a lifetime. Absolutely,
0: and I know for me, you know, I, I don't want to get a job because of uh, the color of my skin. I would want to get the job because I'm deserving of it. I'm capable of it, exactly. You get what exactly. I'm
1: saying?
0: Is, so it, it, it is tough, but like you said, you know, small progress is better than no progress. You know what I mean? And like I said, the industry is like entertainment and even now turning to sports. You know, we see a lot of things happening within the NBA, in particular, the NBA bubble, where – um, a lot of these athletes are really taking the stance and really standing behind powerful messages. So um, have you been watching the NBA bubble?
1: hundred percent, bro. Yeah, you hundred know, percent. Like yeah. bubble basketball is something different, man. It's something special. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But, Absolutely.
0: <laughs> what, what is, um, you know, obviously seeing – Black Lives Matters on the Toronto Raptors bus. Um, you know the players having significant messages on their jerseys. Just you know, tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are when you see those players and when you look at the back of their their jerseys and they are supporting these um, powerful messages.
1: Yeah, it's 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 very interesting because I know you know recently you know they had their very temporary lockout where the, the Bucks never showed up for a game, and it's because you know another one of us you know gunned down. And, um, you know, enough is enough, right? It's interesting to see um, as much as we are divided sometimes on our opinions, you know, like especially the players, you know, they had the choice whether they wanted to continue playing um, or, or or stop playing, you know, because they feel like maybe the NBA that they work for or work with needs to do more. And it's amazing to kind of see the power um, the players take back the power, you know what I'm saying? Because without the players, you ain't got a sport, you ain't got entertainment, you ain't got television. So... Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they're, they're able to kind of go and have a voice. Um, and, and, you know, apart from my selfish, um, uh, desire to, to obviously watch basketball and enjoy the sport, um, for the love of the game, like, I'm, I'm really happy that they're taking advantage of the, of their, um, their platform to, 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 to say what they need to say. I mean, these, this is a sport that's watched by millions of people over the world, like, you know, one of the greatest platforms you can do it on. So, you know, it, it actually serves advantageous to, to use this, like, at a post-game interview or maybe a pre-game interview to kind of speak your thoughts. So I'm just really happy to see how they're kind of pivoting to really take matters a little bit more serious, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it's an important time, given that media and viewership is at an all-time high because we've been absent without the sport of basketball for, you know, over three Very long. months. And you now can. really does boost a lot of viewership and that global reach is, you know, really being monetized you know, on that scale, right? So it's really important to see players like, you know, LeBron James, which is the global face of the NBA and a leader of our generation when you're looking at from right. a pop cultural standpoint. When you have guys like him advocating for social justice and, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo and, you know, the, the Toronto Raptors guys as well, you kind of really you see the differences that they can make by saying little things about Breonna Taylor or the justices or... You know the the Jacob Blake shooting, for an example, and things of that matter. So it is. You know, like I said, it's, for me, I'm very, I'm very grateful to be able to see things like this, and it does give me a little bit of hope. You know, because I'm a, I'm an optimistic mind at and soul at, um, you know, by living. So I think by nature, I would like to see these changes happening. But um, also, I would like for guys like LeBron James to continue to amplify their voices, because on topics that matter, you know what I mean, so. Um, More than an athlete, man. Absolutely, so yeah. getting into the NBA playoffs, man, uh, tell me about the
1: Raptors series, man. Oh, man, where do we start? My guy, Siakam, you know, I, I didn't come on here to, to slander anybody, yeah, you know, man. like, I, I I wear my heart on the sleeve when it comes to the Raptors, you know, Yeah. you know, every year I'm like, <laughs> every year I'm like, you know, this is the year, you know, we can come back, you know. Um, it was sad to hear that Kawhi actually said, he didn't think the team was good enough and that's ultimately part of the reason why he returned or didn't return sorry um i know ultimately he wanted to go back home in la and be with his family and and and, and do that but i mean um you know we showed we, we showed our potential um having a, a guy with killer instinct like quiet who knows we, we could have had a 2 piece you know but it's, it's one of those things that are left to speculation but um you know we fought hard we fought hard you know not putting the blame on anybody as a team you know, considering that some games we didn't always play well and to be that close to Boston, to bring it back to, a, to what, a, a 4-3 um, loss, like, it, it's quite impressive, you know. It would have been nice to have another championship, but uh, maybe we got spoiled last year. <laughs> you know what? We, we still have our memories to live on for. But, um, but, yeah, man, I've seen some great things happen in the playoffs. The biggest upset being Denver beating Clippers. I, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, that's... That's crazy, and and that just that just goes to show you, man. Like anyone can overcome any type of adversity, you know. Um, exactly. You know, you gotta you gotta just quiet out the naysayers and and forget about the people that says you can and, and will not do, and just just stay in your lane and stay focused, and great things can happen, man.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to see because the Toronto Raptors, um, interestingly enough, I actually analyzed their depth rotation with their bench and. Mm-hmm. Um, I seen that Nick Nurse in the second round of the playoffs. Obviously, the first round they they beat um, you know obviously the Nets really convincingly. So going into the second round, I <laughs> thought he was going to utilize that rotational structure that he did. And I think one of the reasons why we had a you know a nice presence of making a title shot last year is because we were very deep. We utilized everybody, all their players. Our bench was really good really right? uh, in our championship run. So. I just didn't really realize um, why Nick Nurse went away from what was working last year and actually minimized his rotations. Um, you know, we talked about guys like Ka- 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 Kawhi leaving. You know, and obviously with the departure of that magnitude, you really need guys to step up. And I think during this season, guys like Terrence Davis stepped up, Paulus Jefferson, Chris Boucher, Matt Thomas at times really showed that he had significant um, yeah. parts of being, you know, a star and I just think that the fact that Nick Nurse was going up against a team of that magnitude in Boston, I don't well, know why he was using seven players. You know, Kyle yeah, he, was rightfully tired. You know, you had Siakam not playing the way he should. Give him a different look. You know, I understand this is the coach of the year we're talking about. So we win, loser, lose or draw, we're saying, hey, you know, this is a guy that's been doing it at a high level. But at what point does, does you know, a coach really look for something different? When you're playing a team like Boston – You know, maybe matchup-wise, you kind of throw in a guy like Matt Thomas and Ron... Ron, 100%. You get what I'm saying? Just to give them a different look. So, I didn't understand that. And I feel like the fact that the Raptors presented their inability to use their bench, I think that contributed to, you know, a a large reason why they didn't come out successful in that series. Um, I think that Nick Nurse did an incredible job coaching this whole season, but I just think that, uh, you know, during that final, intricate part of that series, he should have, you know, used more of his bench. And I think it showed.
1: Yeah, it's it's very easy to kind of point the fingers to the people that, you know, may have had their share of inconsistency. You know, see Siakam being an example, you know, yeah. you, you know a guy who we made it. Well, I mean, he made himself an off-star. Let me not say we made him an off-star. We, we gave him the money for an off-star, but he made himself an off-star. He earned it. You yeah. know, it's very easy to point the fingers at guys like that, but the onus is on the coach, too. You know, and I think after... Sitting back and reflecting on, you know, seeing what worked and what didn't work, um, you know, Nick Nurse has to take accountability for it too. You know, we're talking, you know, a guy a very deserving of, of Coach of the Year. Um, I think um, there was just a lack of, of of repeating what worked, and like you said, you know, um, we did it against the Celt- uh, against the Nets in the first round. You know, I think we had a game where the bench scored 100 points. Yeah, like if that if that isn't telling you, you know. Hey, utilize us. I, I, I don't know what else is gonna tell you, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so it's it sucks that, you know, um um you know, a lot of a lot of players are kinda getting slandered for, for their play, but at the end of the day, like you said, if if there's only seven players in rotation, chances are they're probably gonna get tired. Chances exactly. are they're gonna be a lot less effective in the later stretches of the game. So that's why you have a bench. You have gotta yeah. use your bench, man. <laughs> you know, so um but yeah, it was um it was still a, a pretty interesting run the Cedar Raptors, make it as far as they, 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 they did because a lot of people had, like, zero belief in them, um, especially without, like, a killer like like Kawhi to, to kind of step up, um, you know, late in the game to, like, make those big shots. But Norman Powell, man, big ups to him. That guy stepped up like no tomorrow. Um, and, um, you know, uh, a lot of guys deserve credit for even making it this far. So yeah.
0: Absolutely. I think game six, to me, um, game six was probably one of the best Games I've seen in bubble playoffs, um, you know, this is before. I think it was it. yeah, game seven of the yeah, yeah. LA and uh, the Nuggets game. But no, game six was nice, man. Like I said, Larry really stepped up in you know key instrumental moments down the stretch, yeah. and you know, like I said, they played well all season. It just does suck to see them go out like this. But um, yeah, on the on the on the upside. Like I said, man, next year we have you know, room for potential. We have a lot of off-season, you know, acquisitions to kind of get ready for. Like, Freddie needs to get paid. Are we keeping, you know, <laughs> uh, are
1: we, are we going to get paid yeah, are we gonna
0: keep him or let him go? He's on the books. Uh, Ibaka yeah. as well and other, all these other guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's
1: going to be a scary all season for us. It really is. <laughs> it kind of yeah, is. Exactly. I'm kind of interested it'll to be, see what's going to happen. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, you know, he took the words right out of my mouth. I'm just waiting to see like what happens yeah. and how it unfolds. Um, obviously on the west side you have, you know, the Clippers. Uh, you know, obviously was a favorite to win the NBA title this year, and they blow a three-one lead and they lose to the underdog, you know, Jamal Murray and the uh, Denver Nuggets, man. It's
1: True. Yeah. Favorite, um, right? it's. Honestly, man, the NBA bubble has just brought so many um, analysts to shame. You know, like these are people who are supposed to be professionals at their job, and you know they make their bold predictions, and then they they're left looking stupid to explain it. You know, um, but but that's just that's just the nature of the game, man. You know, when you got guys stepping out of, out of nowhere, like how do you prepare for that? How do you prepare for Marcus Marcus shot becoming you know a Ray Allen of the series all of a sudden? Like what? Like you you can't see that coming, you know, and. You just got to be ready for for every and, 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 and all things, you know. Um, shout out to OG. It seems like the Raptors have a big um, signature um, of, 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 uh, of winning games <laughs> big um, by hitting big shots. Like, you know, the famous quiet shot last year against Philadelphia. And then this yeah. year, OG just making it a series, catching the lob off Larry. So, um, you know, um, there's just so much excitement that happened in this bubble. But it, it's really been an interesting Change to see them integrate in a world where you know no fans are allowed to come Yeah, games.
0: absolutely. It's it's yeah. like I said. It's an interesting time for sports, and I would love to see you know, like you said, for my selfish ways and reasons. I would love to be able to go <laughs> to game again. again yeah,
1: to, of course. And then my last
0: experience <laughs> with that was going to All Star Weekend and being integrated in that society and environment. Oh snap! Seeing things like went that. to Toronto,
1: and, you went this uh, last year to Chicago.
0: Yeah couple months back in Chicago, actually.
1: Oh, snap. That's cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I had an opportunity to you know, go That's there. That's crazy. And the was, it was dope, man. So it's yeah. crazy to see how things kind of can go from a blink of an eye from there. And now we're here with no fans, right? But like I said, we're just living in some unprecedented times,
1: man. You know? It's scary because, you know, I don't know if you, you, you follow shows like Black Mirror. But these are things that, you know, shows like this that are way before its time. Like, introducing me ideas of the new reality, the new normal. You know there's an episode where um what's his name daniel the guy the the actor very talented actor from get out is doing a monologue scene and he's literally performing to a bunch of digital digital like cartoons on screen in front of a judge and like this is literally the norm like so it just makes you wonder man it's like like you know what's what's next man you know what i'm saying how long are you going to be dealing with this You know, you know, the government, the world has invested billions of dollars into these new changes. I don't know if we're ever going to have a normal again. That's that's the truth, you know, I'd I'd love to jump on a plane and go on vacation again. And, you know, I think the economy slowly opening up again, but um, it's interesting to kind of see how everyone's kind of adjusting to this. But unprecedented times, man, that's all I can really say.
0: Absolutely. So, um, you know, we're going to kind of turn a new leaf to just talking about any upcoming projects that you've been working on. you know, obviously highlighting the importance of, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter campaign. and
1: How does, yeah.
0: you know, obviously creating at a time like this really give you the opportunity to
1: amplify or advocate for change? It's crazy, man, because, you know, we've been dealing with this for, for a very long time. Um, you know, as people of color dealing with um, discrimination, racial injustice, police brutality, all that, all that jazz now. Um, I was working on a project where I was introduced to, to the story of a project back in 2018. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, and I quote another story when an unarmed black man gets shot down by the police. Now, you know, you, you might have some people say, oh, this story again? We've seen it before, you know. And, um, you know, I'm big on originality, so I, if, if I can tell the same story that everyone's so used to seeing or hearing about in a different way, then I'm going to definitely you know, put my creative um, foot forward. Um, So I was fortunate enough to be part of this project that um, I worked on with uh, an OG director in the game. He did a lot of music videos back in the the day, shout out St. Chris. And he kind of approached me, he's like, yo, agent, listen, I have this dope idea. um, And and I'd love to kind of, um, you know, have your your help with it, you know, as as an experienced screenwriter. And two years later, you know, I'm I'm fortunate to say that um, my first feature film that I written and produced is going to be screened at the Montreal Black Film Festival. Um, and you know, it's, 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 yeah, man, man. thank you, thank you. Um, and you know what, man, and and it's crazy. We had this conversation two years ago, the product's out now, but it's still happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's sad that, um, you know, it's, it's really going to amplify what's happening because it's still happening and, you know, we, we, we gotta, we gotta do something about it. Like, I don't know if the answer is to defend the police, um, or to, 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 to find a better way to, to actually ha- how we hire uh, police or how we screen them? You know, are, are these people that are just slapping on badges on their chest and, and putting up guns and then being told to shoot black people? Like, who knows? Is this organized? Is this, yeah. is this people that just have bad intentions? God, God knows, right? But um, the point is these stories still need to be told, and we're going to keep telling them until until something's done. So yeah, um, um, that was uh, that's one project that I'm working on. Um, courtside, you know, I'm looking to, to develop season two. Um, COVID kind of put a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a pause in, in the production of that, obviously. You know, working with multi, multiple people and stuff like that. And you know, everyone has their different opinions on COVID and um, regulations and restrictions, and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, man, um, right now I think the focus is to kind of push this film, which is very, uh, a very timely story, especially in this climate. Where we're still dealing with you know, a lot of uh, injustices against our people, um from the government bodies of you know, the people who are supposed to protect us, you know, and, and that's 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 the saddest part about it because you know their motto is to, to serve and protect but you know, um all they're doing is killing us. But I, I will say this though man, I will say that, you know, the onus is not just on being in the wrong place at the right time, you know, against the police or, or doing something that maybe triggers their buttons. It's also on us, man. You know, there's still black people killing black people. You know? So if we're going to prevent the extinction of our people, it starts with us, you know what I'm saying? That alone will help cut the numbers. It's sad to even see it happen. It's sad to see, you know, a white police officer pull the gun on someone, but it really does start with us. So um, we got to limit the numbers and the damage we're doing to each other, you know what I'm saying? Um, And that's something that we can control, you know? Um, So, yeah, man.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a very uh, important uh, statement you made there, you know, we cannot continue to to kill our own people during these times because I feel like that gives you know the cops every right to kind of label us and continue to count us out and you know make these off the wall you know statements you know what I mean and those are what creates these narratives for black individuals like me and you right It's like if yeah. I' to kill a, a innocent black male then Cops in their mind are going to think, okay, they're doing our job for us. This is my perception of the average black individual. You know what I mean? So I do think that, you know, guys that are obviously doing positive things and, you know, shedding a light on, you know, their communities and, and, and you know, uplifting people of their same, you know, minority groups and ethnic groups is important because. I feel like that's a really big thing in, our, in, in the black community is we don't know how to, you know, uplift our community members. And, you know, if we see people that are doing positive work, it's, it's like, you know, we don't want to, I guess, show that extra appreciation. And I feel like it kind of goes a long way because that's how we continue to uni- like come together and, and be in unison with each other. You know, if it's like I said, if you see somebody starting a business, you know, any way you can help them. If it's posting their stuff on Instagram, if it's you know tagging them and you know shooting it out to some people, like that's gonna help them in the long run. And then you know that thing or stepping on toes and pulling people down. So I honestly feel like as a community, we gotta do a better job of you know supporting each other and uplifting us. And on our way of uplifting people, you know, spreading positive, you know, acknowledgement and educating. Um, individuals as well and I feel like if we really tackle those things, we can see ourselves in a different light because sometimes I feel like we don't see our value in ourselves because you know about you're surrounded by so much people telling you how invaluable you are. You get what I'm saying and I'm talking sure. about from institutions you know you're in institutions and you say you want to be this in school and they tell you because you're black you can't do it. you know <laughs> you can't be a, a scientist, you can't be a doctor. You know, they they preach, you're going to be an athlete, you're going to be a rapper. These are things that they have preconceived notions and judgments of how our life's going to turn out. So I feel like it's really important sometimes for us to write our own stories and to to dream bigger than ourselves sometimes. You know, and I feel like if if, if white people can do it, why not us? And I'm just using that as a representative example.
1: You know, so I think it's very
0: very important to, you know, see our value and, and, you know, come together and, and continue to, to uplift each other, man. I think that's one of the greatest ways we can kind of rewrite history for our community, for for members in our community, for our culture, is just uplift each other, man. You know, support is free. You know what I mean? And like I said, man, it's, it's good to see guys like you in the industry. And, you know, I have an opportunity to connect with you on my platform, but, you know, I'm still going to be supported, even if it's from afar, you know. And you that, be, yeah. That's just the mentality that I've grown to – to step into because at the yeah. end of the day that changes the narrative for a guy that comes from where I come from. You get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what man, I, I wish I wish more people couldn't remodel this this method of support, especially towards our own people. Um, like I feel like there's just this like this toxic culture where you know people need to be validated before they put on somebody. It's like yeah. it's like it's like someone's success is going to hinder another person's success. Like, why would anything have to, like, why would one thing have to do with another? Like, if anything, if one of us gets through the doors, um, if that person is genuine and and, and really has a a good heart behind them, that person is going to leave the door open for the next generation of people to to follow through. But, you know, um, and I don't know if this is something that happens everywhere, like, you know, in America, but, um, you know, sometimes I feel like people wait for you to kind of make it before they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. It's like, well, you didn't know me when, you know, when I was digging for the gold, but now that the gold's here, it's like all of a sudden you're popping up. So I I definitely, man, I I, I can't, um, you're preaching to the choir when you talk about supporting, even if it's from a distance, you know? Absolutely. Um, You don't have to be in their face every day, but I mean, just the little things, man, the little things really, really do matter. And and it adds to our value as people that we can become more than what the media labels us to be, you know, the next this person, the next this person, right? I was just thinking it the other day, um, you know, going back to, you know, just being a black boy, another black boy with another hoop dream. You know, there's other ways that you can pursue, um, you know, a passion in in that industry, in the industry of basketball, for example. You know, you can become a a kinesiologist, a physiotherapist. You can still work close to a basketball without actually having to dribble it, you know. Um, So I I really just want to encourage, you know, the the next generation to come that there are a lot of different ways that you could partake in this community, especially something that you're passionate about, you know, because – um, only one in 10 of us make it to the NBA. You know, we got guys like Jamal Murray, who are representing the, the, the country, which is amazing. And Brandon Clark. But you know what, they're, they're an anomaly. They're, they're, they're one in 10 people to do that. Um, I just want to kind of jump back on um, another project that I actually forgot to mention, but it's kind of current as well. Kind of going back to the topic of gun violence. Um, yeah. I, was rec- I was recently showcasing my documentary um, film, Black Sun, which is pretty much about two women who were anguished by uh, acts of gun violence. And they ultimately turn around to use their platform to take a personal stand in their affected community. So this is directly related to going back to your communities and giving back, you know? One of my subjects, Kelly Fight Marshall, shout Kelly. You know, she's an Afro-Diaspora filmmaker in the industry. So, um, you know, I've, uh, I've been able to, to work on her on a, on a number of occasions. Um, you know, she's ultimately trying to use her, her platform to, to shed emotional intelligence as to why these things happen. Like, why is it so frequently happening against our people? Like, why are so many guns and shootings going on with, with, with our people. Like, why are we always in the news? Why are we always in the headlines? You know, and there's a lot of, you know, deeper, deeper, and I'm not saying anything is justified. I'm not saying anyone's actually taken by the gun, but I'm saying there's there's a lot of deeper meanings behind these things, you know? And it just, it, we just got to create a conversation that we can um, really um, advocate for each other to, to make a difference. So, um, you know, that's, that's another project that I'm actively pursuing and trying to get some screen time internationally. Um, so, but yeah, very important message to share, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely,
0: and uh, you know, obviously, like I said, man, it's it all kind of inter, you know, like I said, ties back to the you know the ter- the current times that we're living in, you know, and I feel like this is you know gives opportunities for. Other minority groups and, you know, like I said, white people the, really see the reality that we have to live through. You know, we've been suffering for over 400 years, you know, and it's like now it's time to really get acknowledgement because these are things that go on every day. You don't know what it is for a, a young black kid to wake up in the neighborhood where, you know, drug it's drug infested, poverty written, you know, it has violence left and right. And you got to grow up in that environment. You know what I mean? They don't. They don't know what it, it, it it's like. They just see the reports on the news. And, you know, they kind of like create their own narratives and, and kind of skew it and run away with it. You know, so it's it's very important for them to really take part and educate themselves in what goes on in these disenfranchised neighborhoods and you know it's opp- it gives them an opportunity like this to really get to know what these kids are going through and that's why I think like it's a really important for educators in the space of being teachers and you know um obviously professionals in the education uh, realm it's to get your get to know your students outside of you know him coming to school and sitting in the class and taking notes like Talk to them, figure out what they like, what they don't like, what their family structure is, what their environment is. You know, because I feel like once you get to know what a kid, who a kid is, you can help them be successful because you'll know how to teach them officially. You know what I mean? I think that's a yeah, big thing. Mentors.
1: Yeah, no, mentors mentors are are, are 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 super key man and and I think we need more of them especially in our communities you know it, it's it's sad that you know some of us are growing up without fathers some of us some of us not, no mothers right and a combination of both are are, are 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 a lifelong abundance of lessons that we take through our life and and we 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 try to apply on our everyday living so um if we have people that can kind of substitute as these as these important or acting parental figures you know whether it's um, in the form of a basketball coach for a young black kid or, or um, you know, uh, a mentor at a, at a school or, or at a camp. Um, you know, these are people that can really ultimately help guide these people uh, or these kids, sorry, in the, in the rightful direction. Um, and, and to kind of go back to, um, you know, trying to um, basically correct the, the misperceptions uh, 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 of, 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 of the media and the world, like, looking at us, you know what I'm saying? There's a reason for everything, you know? Some people don't have choice. Some people have to rob a store to, to make a living. And I'm not saying that's justified either. But what I'm saying is, you know, it, that, it's reasons like that that really inspired me to create a project like Courtside. Because, you know, as much as the name Courtside draws you to the idea and the backdrop of basketball as it's, it's ultimately one of the kids' pursuit, um, it's also literally, you know, me trying to put people who wouldn't otherwise know this world in the front seats of these kids' lives. Like, you're literally sitting Courtside watching this game play out you know, it's so, so important for me to, to really shed, um, you know, um, just just what really goes on in these kids' life. Like, you know, people just don't get up and, and, and become ullam. You know, so, um, yeah, man, super important.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I said, you're, you're doing, uh, you know, in, in powerful work that I feel like if you can continue to use your work as an amplified voice, you know, I think the sky's the limit for guys that come up and, you know, it's crazy, like I always say, sometimes the work that you put in may not be, you know, reparated for you to see. You know, it might, you mm-hmm. might not have your own food to, to enjoy the fruits of your labor. You know, it might take your kids' yeah. kids, you know, and look at, like, a guy like Malcolm X. You know, he's not here to see the change that he's created. You know what I mean? And not having a powerful right. figure like Malcolm X in this era it's different, yeah. because if you imagine Malcolm X living through these times, things would be totally different. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I say that to say this, man. Sometimes, you know, it takes for, you know, guys like you to be a filmmaker and to direct powerful movies that will be timeless, that will hit, you know? And I always look at it as a guy like Spike Lee being one of my favorite fame directors, but because here, all, his, all of his movies have a defining message. Like, do the right thing. You know, we're living through that shit now. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, and you know, really? and Malcolm X and, you know, things of that magnitude, right? Jungle fever and stuff like that. These are things that we're living through right now. You know, so it's it's very, it's like I said, it's very important that we continue to do purposeful work, man. But sometimes the work that you put in, you might not reap those benefits when you want yeah. it. You know? So... That's just, true. I mean, yeah, that's just something to kind of always keep in mind. You know, it's like yep. our struggles are not going to be our kids' struggle. You know, that's why when your parents, you know, obviously you being a Jamaican, you know, uh, Canadian, and having your parents come to this country, you know, they had to struggle so you didn't have to struggle. And that's just vice versa. Just like, you know, when you're in the OG in the neighborhood, you, you do your struggles so the guy coming up next to you don't have to go through the same
1: things, Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I feel like every generation is gonna definitely have their their own share of problems, you know. Um, Absolutely. you know, looking at the generation of my parents immigrating to Canada, you know, they, they weren't really integrated with all this new technology, right? They they probably didn't even have enough of it, right? You know, you have to go door to door to deliver a message to somebody and nowadays you can just text someone something, right? Mm. Um, you know, a problem in today's society is maybe there's too much of technology, you know what I'm saying? Because technology doesn't come for free and now it's on these parents to provide, you know, kids with these means to to, to, to um, you know, upkeep with school or whatever the case is. So um, I, I definitely hear you when, when when sometimes the seeds that you plant aren't even for um, the people around you to, to really reap. It could be for generations to, uh, later to come. So I 100% resonate with that message, man. Absolutely,
0: man. So we're going to get into something I like to call the Fab Five. So technically what the Fab Five is, mm-hmm. is across the entertainment, the sports industry, and entrepreneurial professions. What is your ultimate, like, Fab Five, which is the starting five lineup of, you know, the the top entrepreneurs, athletes. Top entrepreneurs. Like, who would would you pick for your Fab
1: Five? Oh, man. you got to do me like this, eh? That's crazy. My ultimate Fab Five? Yep. Ah, Jeez Louise. Um... I'm going to try to break it down in terms of, like, every department or every media stream, so sports, film. Um, sports, definitely LeBron James, you know? Um, his slogan, more than an athlete. He's literally living it. You know, he's building schools. You know, he has a production company trying to tell more diverse stories and, and have opportunities for inclusion of people of color. You no, know, he literally is living what he says he is, more than an athlete. And ultimately, you know, the next guy after Jordan to be discussed as the, the greatest to maybe ever do it. Um, So LeBron James, 100%. Um, Spike Lee, just for his timeless films, you know, me being a filmmaker myself, um, you always got to look up to someone that's kind of paved the way, and Spike Lee's definitely that dude that did that for me. I've I've had the pleasure of meeting him twice, and he's just – he's as real as – he's as real as they they come. And he's still still going strong, um, um, you know, telling important stories. So shout out by my guy Spike Lee. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to get some woman in here, you know what
0: I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. man. I, th- um, I, think I, I think I know who you'll say for the woman, but let me not get yeah.
1: into it myself. No, no. Wait, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think?
0: I was going to say Ava DuVernay.
1: Oh, my God, Ava. Yeah. Like, I
0: was you, know, you going to say her.
1: Yeah. She, she's on my top three for sure. I love Ava because she, she started so late. And look at all that she's accomplished. Like, she's yeah. the epitome of never listen to to, to, to um. Never compare yourself. I should say, actually, you know, because you know, guys like Samuel Jackson didn't get his career booming until like, until he was like 30, 34, and look at the pluffer of work that he's done, right? Absolutely. Ava DuVernay didn't pick up a camera until she was like 32, 33, and Absolutely. you know, she's she's an icon. She's already an icon, right? So it's like, you know, don't tell people when you should have got started. Don't don't let people tell tell you what, when you could do something when you can do something. Like everyone's time is their time, you know. Um, but yeah, Ava is definitely big up there. Um, you know, I wanted to, uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of controversy with, with Oprah recently, I know, and I'm not sure how much you've heard, but Oprah, you know, she's, she's without a doubt, a living legend, um, you know, and not just about the, the, um, how rich she is, like, she was literally able to create um, a, a platform for herself to, to amplify black voices and, and, and to be one of the best women to ever, you know, host a talk show, you know, and, and she looks like us. So she definitely deserves her credit. Um, do I do I support everything that she supports? No, not necessarily, but you still gotta, um, you know, give the flowers to the ones that deserve it. That's nice. um, yeah. And lastly, um, hmm. Fab Five, man, You could have at least let me prep for this, man. You put me on the spot like this. So, yeah, a yeah, lot of yeah. people so that I respect, and admire.
0: So, you got you got. Oprah right now, Spike Lee, LBJ, and Ava DuVernay. So you got one more. One more.
1: Oh, man. Ah, five. five. You know what? You you probably answer this question a lot. Who's your top five? I'm actually interested to know. Who's oh, your top five, so five? My
0: top five would be um, Jay-Z um, for his incredible philanthropic work. Mm-hmm. Also for, you know, kind of creating his own narrative, being a, an inner city kid from one of the most ruthless environments in New York City yeah. and Marcy Projects. And, I
1: could have you know, guessed rip. that with the hat, by the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you,
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, we got we to rep, man, our people, you know, but just Don't to multiple yeah. yeah. empires for people that look like him and being able to employ people that he grew up with and, and really, you know, take stake in, like, basketball, partake in basketball teams and Forty forty clubs, ownership. and, and ownership big, and stuff like that and giving guys and working closely with brands that we you know aspire to be a part of like a Puma and getting involved with the NBA and the NFL for that matter. It's, it's just so like I said, it's for a person that comes from an environment that's you know not gifted, it's it's crazy to see that people like that can really make it out and be an icon, a yeah. stable in their community. So for me, Jay Z for sure. Um, I would definitely say uh, rest in peace to the dead as well. Kobe Bryant was that for me um, mm. for being a sport guy. I think it was very important for me to identify with somebody that showed tireless commitment and just had a drive that was, you know, indescribable. And I think Kobe Bryant was that guy for me. I think I really fell in love with his process in, in high school, you know, when he won that championship and just to see, him uprise through all the doubt in his career and people saying he can't win without Shaq, you know, what everybody really denied. you know, is his sheer sure talent and determination, you know, because if you can apply that in any other field that you're doing, if you want to be the best filmmaker or the best
1: director. Put your 10, you 10,000 put hours in, man. Exactly. You got to put, put, put your 10,000, 10,000 hours. hours. You got yeah. to so. And it literally speaks to every every practice, man. It Absolutely. really does. So
0: I think the mama mentality is a universal model that you can just put in your life. Try to create the best version of yourself. That's it. 100%, man. So Kobe Bryant, for sure. Jay-Z. Um, obviously, like you mentioned earlier, Spike Lee. Um, I think Spike Lee really um, – He, re- I really give him a lot of credit, not only because he, he did something at a time where – uh, there was minimal to no representation in the film film industry, and obviously, you know, with Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino and guys like that, you know, you had those more blockbuster hits and films, and for yeah, yeah. a guy like Spike. Lee.